Amen. We're going to get right into the word of God. And so uh, we're going to do something a little different uh, today. And so I'll, I'll instruct you how we're going to do it. Something that is done oftentimes in certain churches. We're going to actually do that today. But let's first start with our co confession. So repeat after me. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. Let me make sure I grab my Bible. I can do what it says I can do. I will have what it says I will have. I'm a part of Deliverance Temple where we love by living our vision every day. We connect with our creator continually. We confess our deliverance consistently. We commit to serve creatively. We communicate Christ's love compassionately. Father God, Feed me your word. Now, if you believe you're going to be fed, go ahead and make some noise again this morning. All right, what we're going to do, we're actually going to stand for the reading of the word. I've got a passage that I want to read, and I want us to all stand for the reading, and then we will sit, and I will give us the title, and we will begin to preach the word of God. So everybody standing that can stand. If you don't have a Bible or something that you can connect to the Word of God with, the verses will be on the screen, but show them what passage that we'll be going from. We'll be going from the passage, Revelation 19, 11 through 16, very close to the back of the book, and it's, it's talking about the ending, the final ending of the age. And so starting with verse 11, it says this, Then I saw heaven open. And behold, a white horse, the one sitting on it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. Verse 12, his eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems, which means crowns, and he has a name written that no one knows but himself. Verse 13, he is clothed in a robe, and this is a part I like. Dipped in blood. And the name by which he is called is the word of God. Verse 14. And the armies of heaven arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. Verse 15. From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. And he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. Last verse, verse 16. On his robe and on his thigh, which means he has a tattoo. You can do whatever you want with that. But on his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Say that with me. King of Kings and Lord of Lords. May God add a blessing to the reading of his word. You may be seated. So the title of today's message is simply this. It's a phrase we use all the time, but I'm going to try to give some impact to it. King of Kings. King of Kings. On, on the first song, they actually mentioned King of Kings, which I didn't know was in that first song. And uh, Sister Ella had suggested that song was a beautiful song. But I, as I was listening to it, I heard them say King of Kings. So that's the title for today, King of Kings. Let's say that one more time, King of Kings. I'll, yo, actually, I'm, I'm sorry, I did that wrong. Let me say it and you guys can repeat after me, King of Kings. All right, so let's give a definition of king. And this is interesting. It says the male ruler of an independent state, especially one who inherits to the position by right of birth. In other words, the moment they were born, they were king based on who their father was. Well, we know Jesus is king of kings, 
But even when he came and was stuck in the manger, he was still the king. They didn't recognize him, didn't understand him. Now, of course, the shepherds and the wise men looking at the star, they knew something had happened. And so they begin to move toward it, but nobody really knew what he really was. But by right of birth, he was king of kings. Now, uh, my, my brother Stephen, he said something to me a couple of days ago, and he was talking about uh, my ministry. And oftentimes, uh, I allow people to critique me and help me. And he's one of the ones that he listens from afar. And he says, you might want to tell some of the people what you're reading because I'm a voracious reader. I'm an avid reader, but I don't always tell y'all what I'm reading. I just sound like I'm reading something. Y'all know I'm reading something. Y'all know I read the Bible, but I read more than just the Bible. And he said, you might want to let them know or quote and tell them who you're reading from. One of the reasons why I'm a voracious reader, because early on in my life, I heard that if you're not, if you're going to be a good leader, you got to be a great reader. You got to have resources. And so I thought this would be a good time in the message to do that. And so at the beginning of this year, I read a book in January. So I, I read 66 books a year, and then I add about another 30. Not all of them are Christian books, but some of them are Christian. In January, I read a book that actually impacted me, and part of what I'm sharing is going to come from that book. But I will show you what it is. I'm going to put it on the screen. It's by a theologian and scholar from Britain. His name is N.T. Wright. But the book that I read is called How God Became King. And the tagline is The Forgotten Story of the Gospels. And to just paint it really quickly, he begins to talk about the fact that him being in Britain or from Europe and us being in America, that the Western church many times misses what the gospel writers we're really talking about because we grew up in what we call uh, democracies. Even though the Queen of England and is set up sim similar to a monarchy in Britain, they really have a par parliament and prime ministers, and it's more dem democratic. And democratic means that you go through a list of things. There's a list of people that create the rule. But in a monarchy, only one person has the say-so. And so because we grew up in democracy, we miss the fact that all the Gospels are talking about how God became king and how he is king of kings and he is a Lord of lords. Now, when we talk about it, we get excited because it sounds good, but we've never lived under a king. So it's hard for us to understand it. And so that's why when you look at the Old Testament and you begin to see what the kings were, and then you begin to see that God is saying he's king of kings, it puts a lot of things in perspective. And so it's, it's a good read. It's a very deep read. There's some stuff going over your head if you were to pick up the book. But it just paints the picture that we have forgotten sometimes about the king. And I'll give one other thing that he shares in the book. He talks about how the Western church, that means Europe and America, it means that the Western church has focused on the cross. And there's nothing wrong with the cross because the cross is important. But he said the real focus should be cross and kingdom. But some people focus on either cross or kingdom, but it should be cross and kingdom. In other words, Jesus didn't just come so that we can be saved. He actually came so he could be king. So that, see, it's, it's one thing for us to be saved, which is awesome. We want to be saved. We want the cross to save us. But there is some devils here. And the devils need more than just us being saved. The devils need to know we got a king. And if you keep messing with the folk that are under the king, you got to have the full force of the kingdom. And I talked about a few weeks ago how the violent take it by force. So it's not just us getting saved. It's us understanding we are actually in a kingdom. All right. I'm going to try to work it a little more. Let's, let's put this up. I wrote this down so I can say it uh, well. This is uh, what I want to share with you. What does kingship look like in our 21st century context? How do we recognize and participate in a kingdom when we grew up in a democracy? 
hard for us. We, we've heard the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, but it's words. It's hard for us to wrap our mind around being in a kingdom. And so we're going to try to talk about that today. So when you hear the phrase king of kings, you'll hear it from another perspective. You'll hear it from a new look and with fresh eyes. Somebody say fresh eyes. Now here's something that I got to drop on us that'll help us as I'm moving forward. It's the next statement. I wrote it down as well. We must study the Bible not as our one-way ticket to heaven, but as the promise of a kingdom here on earth. And how we process it now determines how much of it we will experience later. One of the things that N.T. Wright points out is that one thing the Western church has got wrong is we put all our focus on heaven. But the Bible says, pray that thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. The Bible says, and I've been telling my Bible study crew this for the last year and a half or two years. The Bible says there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. And so what it means is that we're not just going to heaven to twiddle our thumbs and look at the clouds and be happy up there. God actually wants us to come back to earth and do work in the earth. Now, what work are we going to do? I don't fully know. But what we do know is the Bible tells us all the time God has been trying to come here. And we've been putting all our focus on going there. Nothing wrong with going there. But if you look at the entire Bible, the Bible says God, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the Bible says that God came down and talked with Adam in the cool of the day, in the garden. So he created a garden, put them in the garden, and then he came down to be in the garden with them. But when they messed up, he couldn't be around sin, so he had to go back up there. But the whole story is he's always wanted to come here and be with his people and have people created in his image. So God wants to do life here, and we're trying to get there. Nothing wrong with us getting there, but the problem is if you focus so much on getting there, you forget to invite him here. So I'm praying to go there, but you also ought to be praying, God, come here. God, come in my marriage. God, come in my money. I don't need a marriage there. I don't need money there, but I need the king there to show up here. God, come in this earthen vessel. God, come in my mind. God, come in my heart. God, come in my situation. God, come in my church. God, come in this raggedy car I got. Hold it together. God, come in my family. God, come through earth. And so let's not get so caught up in getting there. We forget that he wants to be invited in our everyday space. All right, so let me give you this, and, and I'm just giving you the, act, the setup, really. Luke 17, 20, King James Version. I'll have Mother Mitchell read this. And when he was demanded of the Pharisees when the kingdom of God should come, he answered them and said, the kingdom of God cometh not with observation. So the Pharisees demanded when the kingdom would come. One of the reasons why they demanded that is because they were looking for a kingdom that would overthrow the Roman rule. And so they were looking for an outward kingdom that they could see with their eyes. And so because we can't see stuff here with our eyes, we put everything over there to heaven. So since I can't see it here, since I can't see God here, I got to hurry up and get there. But we all want to go there, but don't nobody want to die now. So since you don't want to die now, you got to learn that the kingdom is not just looking here and looking there. What does the next verse say? Verse 21. Neither shall they say, lo here, or look here, or lo there, or look there. For behold, the kingdom of God is within you. Wait a second. The actual kingdom is actually in me now. Not when I die, not when I go there, but the kingdom is within me. If the kingdom is within me, that means the king is within me. That's some stuff I can't put up with anymore because the kingdom is in here. 
And the more we understand that, we begin to bring kingdom to the earth. We begin to bring power to the earth. And here's the thing we got to understand. There's no sinners in heaven. So the sinners need us here. They need deliverance here. We are deliverance temple. If we all go there, how would anybody get any deliverance here? So while we're here, we got to bring the kingdom in the earth. The kingdom on my job. The kingdom in my house. The kingdom in the grocery store. The kingdom in the government. The kingdom. And when we bring the kingdom, we're also understanding we're bringing the king. All right. So, so l- let, me, let me move forward because I'm still setting up. I'm getting a little excited. I'm trying, trying to slow myself down. I'm getting a little excited. So, so let, let, let's look at this point one, two, three. This will kind of give us the sum up of the whole sermon, where we're going, and then we can kind of just rest a little. Here's, here's the whole point. There's a higher order versus a lower order. There's kingdom-minded Versus heavenly minded. Now here's the third one that puts it all together for us. It's rulership versus escape. The reason why a lot of people talk about heaven because they just want to escape. I, I, I just, I just want to get out of here. Ain't going to be no sickness. Ain't going to be no tears. And listen, I'm, I'm happy for some no tears, no sickness. I'm happy for all that. But I ain't waiting for that to start ruling now. There's some stuff I'm going to start ruling right now. Instead of allowing life to always do to me, I'm going to start ruling. I'm not trying to escape out of everything. I'm trying to grow through some stuff. I'm trying to bear fruit even in a barren land. I'm trying to advance even when I'm hurting. I'm trying to rise up even when life is pushing me down. If you just try to escape, God just snatch me out of here. And then when you go, we all crying because he did snatch you out of here. No, what about us ruling right now? And so since the kingdom is within you, guess the first place you got to start ruling? No, oh, come on, Sister Saritha. No, I would rather escape. And that's why addiction is so high because instead of ruling, I would just rather escape. <laughs> Kelly getting on my nerves. And instead of me getting down to the reason why Kelly is getting on my nerves and us working the situation out, I'd rather just grab seven margaritas and not think about Kelly. But after I sober up, Kelly is still there. So I want to escape, but God says, no, stay and rule. Rule your spirit. Rule your mind. Rule your flesh. Rule your attitude. Rule your mean self. Learn how to rule. We always want God to pull us out of stuff. And God says, I put the kingdom in you. Stand there and rule. Tell the devil, I'm not acting a fool this year. I'm not going to be stupid this year. I'm going to rule my flesh. I'm going to rule my mind. I'm going to grow through this. I'm going to bounce back. Because the king of kings lives in me it's easier to preach than it is to do but the more you do it the more you understand you have power right now the old saints you say power power wonder working power in the blood of the lamb I don't need the blood up there I need the blood right here And I'm telling you, devil, there's some stuff you can't do to me any longer because the king of kings lives inside of me. The buck stops with me. We hear a lot of preaching about generational curses, but we forget to talk about generational blessings. If there is a curse, there also is a blessing. The Bible says that the curse is to the third and fourth generation. But it says revealing mercy to a thousand generations, which means the blessing can run a thousand generations and the curse can only run four generations. But we put all our focus on the curse. We put all our focus on witchcraft. Y'all better not go to Beyonce's concert because it's witches in there. 
And some of y'all don't need to be there. But some of y'all need to be there and bring the kingdom to the concert. That way, if there are witches, they can't do what they want to do. Because the kingdom showed up. That's why your kids got to come to school. Because there might be a mass shooter trying to shoot up the school. But when your child steps in, he brings the kingdom of God to the school. And they can't do what they want to do. Because you're ruling in the land because the kingdom. Amen. The Bible says God is not coming back for a church except without spot or wrinkle. In other words, as long as we're always beat up, waiting for God to snatch us out of here, he's not coming because he's coming for a bride that looks like they know what they're doing, ready for their king. Now, what would it look like for, uh, and, and I don't mean to, to, to make the person, because it's actually a real person, but the idea I'm going to use is the idea of Aunt Jemima. Aunt Jemima's based off a real person. But you remember Aunt Jemima on the syrup. How she looked, she looked homely, looked slave, like she was a slave, and there was nothing wrong with it because it was actually taken from a real person. But my point is, what would it look like if the girl uh, who is the bride shows up to the wedding, walking down the aisle, looking like Aunt Jemima? I love you, baby, but turn back around. Go back out that door and get, get some makeover, some make, do something, because that ain't what I was coming to find. I wanted, when, you, when the doors open, I want tears to leap out of my eyes. Let me tell you something. When Devin came and cracked them doors and her daddy had her on the arm, I was tough, but I, I'm, I started sweating tears and tears stopped. Because she looked good, looked like that gold was just jumping off of her face. She looked like she was my bride. Now, we've been married 23 years. So she don't always look like the person I've seen walking down the aisle that day. But there's a time to be the bride. And here's the problem is we rolling out the bed, waking up with steak breath and wondering why Jesus don't come and snatch us. He don't want us like that. He wants us to be ruling and reigning and controlling and moving things. And that's when... The kingdom can be grabbed from him or what we call the rapture, which some people know it's not a fool what made people thought. It's not about escaping. It's about God meeting his bride. All right. And so here's another point. And this is where we're going to leave it with you. So I've been sharing this for this main reason. So I got this from Webster's Dictionary, Merriam Webster's Dictionary. It said this. It actually has the phrase king of kings. It defines it as this. A monarch having other monarchs under him, such as an earthly sovereign, and I added these in parentheses, supreme leader. So earthly sovereign means a supreme leader. So if there is a supreme leader, that means that there are leaders under the supreme leader, and they are all working together. And so when it says king of kings, what I used to always think it means that he was the king over all kings, and it means that. But I thought it meant he was the king over all the crazy kings. In other words, if you have a crazy king, it's okay because he's the king of kings. But one thing I begin to understand is that God, if he is the king, if he has a crazy king, he would not keep a crazy king. He would destroy and remove a crazy king and put another king there. So the truth of the whole story of the Bible, which is cross and kingdom, is this, is that God is the big king. But we are the kings under the king. And so if we are all messed up and broken down, it doesn't reflect the greatness of who he is because he's the king, but he paid the price for us to be kings under him. Kings and queens. So when God rules, we ought to rule. Now we are human, so we're not perfect, but there ought to be some area in your life where you rule, where you are kingly, where, 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 where stuff can't move until you show up. I, I, I 
can't do this without talking to Brother Tommy because I know Brother Tommy going to give me the right advice. What they're saying without knowing they're saying that I know Tommy is a king and I can't buy this. I can't go here without talking to a king that can give me the right advice because I'm looking at his life and he's not where I am. He's risen above because he's following the king but he's acting like a king. Uh, a lek lady. Yes, she lost her husband, and yes, she's now a widow, but there's something queenly about her. She found a way to rise up and start teaching Bible studies and start preaching, start going around and doing places, doing things and being different places because she's got the king of kings on the inside. And yes, she was hurting, and yes, it bothered her, and yes, she grieved, but it couldn't stop the queen inside of her. The queen inside of her began to rise. I don't know what you face, but when you got the king inside of you, he'll make you rise. The Bible said the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, it dwells in your mortal body. You don't have to lay over and play dead. You can rise. The power of God, it rests in you and it rests in you and it rests in you. And it's my job to stir up the fire in you so you rule and you reign. Somebody says it's time to reign. Now, I, I said this before, it takes training for reigning. And so many of you have been in a lot of training. And the training is difficult. I'm not a military man, but anybody who's been in the military to tell you that boot camp is not made to be easy. Boot camp is made to be difficult. Brother Tommy, you know, you know you've been there. It's not made to be easy. But I can only run two minutes. Well, we're about to break you down. But you're broken down so that if you ever get in real combat, I'm putting you through the ring and now. Because one day you might have to fight for real. And I don't want you afraid. I want you to have the power. And what I'm trying to get you to understand, some of y'all been training all your life. You've been in hell all your life. Your mama and daddy wasn't right. Your, your cousin wasn't right. Your dog wasn't right. Your teacher wasn't right. Your boss wasn't right. Everywhere you've gone, you've had trouble on every side. But what God was doing, he was building inside of you an internal fortitude that won't make you back up because in this day and age, we need you. We need the warriors. We need the fighters. We need the risers. And God got you here for such a time as this. It's your time to shine. It's your time to reign. It's your time to ride. And that's why folk didn't like you for no reason at all. Talked about you for no reason at all. It wasn't them. It was the devil trying to snuff out your destiny. But the devil found out I couldn't kill them. I couldn't stop their praise. I couldn't stop their joy. I couldn't stop their hallelujah. I couldn't stop the power of God in their life. I couldn't stop them from being the man and the woman God wanted them to be. And so what's, guess what the devil does? He brings more demons. You think he'll be smart enough to say, I'm just going to leave him alone. No, he brings some more demons. He, 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 he tried to hit you with some more stuff. But one thing you learn is, I, I, I can take some stuff. I done, been, this, I, I done been through some stuff. And I can take some stuff. And one thing, I'm not crying at everything. Now, when, when, when I, maybe when you first started lifting weights, the 20 pounds... Ooh, that broke you down. But now 20 pounds don't feel like nothing. You got to get to 70 pounds to feel something because you built something. You built the muscles and no pain, no gain. But guess what? You've been through the pain and now it's time for the gain. And so what I'm telling you, don't put everything off to heaven. Start reigning right now. Start dreaming big right now. Start believing God right now. Start doing some stuff right let me, let, me, let me give you a quick example. And I, I, I don't know how much of the, the scriptures I'll get to. I may have to carry it over into next week. But I, I just want to take my time. I'm going to show you something real quick. You, you won't be able to see it very well. Maybe the, I can have them zoom in on it. So let me, let me show you something real quick. Ain't got nothing to do with, with, with the spirit. Just, just something I, I want to show you if I can figure out how to do it. All right, here, here, here it is. So, 
this thing. See, see if you can zoom in on this. Can you zoom in back there? For for So on this iPad is this new electric Cadillac. Yeah, that's enough. You ain't got to zoom in no more. I don't look that good for y'all to be that close on me. Let's back, back up. No, I'm just joking. So this, this electric Cadillac, I put it on, on there because I was like, mm, that's nice. And I'd like to have it one day. And so they, they, they're bringing them out. And last year, they allowed you to put a $100 deposit on it just to think about it. Well, two days ago, they sent me an email, and they was like, you can go ahead and put the, uh, you can go ahead and pick it out and start ordering it. But when I started ordering it, it started going up to 71000 And I was like, nope. I, 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 I hit back, back, back. No, I, <laughs> I, I like it. I want it. But no. But something told me, what if God wants to do it for you? The fact that you wouldn't at least follow the process means you don't believe that God just might bring the means for you to grab it where you won't go into debt. Say, I don't like having something that I can't afford. And right now, it's not that I can't, but I don't like strain and I don't like car payments. Amen. I like cars. I don't like car payments. And so I've always tried to keep things in a certain realm and and when you start getting into 70000 that's like a $1,000. I don't like paying house payments for cars. And so I'm like, let me just back out of this. But God says, you're not even giving me a chance to work. He said, how about you just go follow it and pick out everything you want. Pick out the colors. And if I don't want to give it to you, I don't have to give it to you. But don't back up before I even get a chance to work. And what I'm trying to tell you is it's time to start believing big and dreaming big. Now, you may not get it, but what hurts dreaming big? What does it hurt to look at the Fiji Islands? What does it hurt to look at the $12,000 cruise? What does it hurt to drive up to the mansion? What does it hurt to look at something big just in case? God, I'm not going to stay on a low level because the king of kings lives inside of me. And God, I'm going to give you every opportunity to work in my life. And so I've even learned as your leader, sometimes I back up too quick. Sometimes I move back too quick because I believe in blessings, but I'm cheap like my daddy. I like nice stuff. But I like sales. I like bargains. But I heard Bishop Jake say something. We often want to pray that God will bring stuff down. But we never pray that God will bring us up. See, everything doesn't have to be brought into your level for you to get it. God can raise you up to the level for you to achieve it. And when you start thinking like a king, and as long as you've been in a democracy, it's hard to think like a king. But when you start thinking kingdom-minded, your mind starts getting big on what God just might do. And the reason why I say just might do, because it's not all about materials. Some of us can't handle materials because we're too arrogant with the little stuff we got. You don't need no materials. But some of us have been humble. And some of us have walked things and done things and stretched and been generous and been given. And God wants to bless us, but our mentality is so low, he can't even bless us. We always think about what can't be done. Oh, man, I would love to go there, but I can't do it. I would love to go there, but I don't really drive well at night. I would love to go there, but I can't do this. I, we always think about what we can't do, but we forget to think about what God can do. I want the limitations to come off of my mind, and I want to start believing, God, what you can do and what you will do and what you might do. I, last time I checked, you still had all power in your hand, and you still can make miracles. You can still pull money out of fish's mouth. You can still walk on water if I need you to. You can still call Lazarus to come forth. You can still open up the blinded eyes. You can still make the 
lame walk and the deaf talk. So get your mind up. Get your faith up. And believe you serve the king of kings. Well, I know I'm going to see him when I get to heaven. Heaven is my goal. But do you want to die right now? No, I don't want to die right now. Well, stop putting everything over into heaven and start believing for some stuff right now. All right, all right, all right. That's good. We can go home now. Come on, get up. Let's go home. Also, since y'all didn't want to go home, I'm going to keep on preaching. It ain't my fault. It's y'all fault. Isaiah 32. So now we're going we're gonna to take and just try to go through some of these scriptures. I'm not sure how many I'll go through, but Maybe all of them, but, but we'll see. But God has really been hitting me with this. So Isaiah 32, going to read the majority from the New Living Translation. Let's put and read that first verse. Look, a righteous king is coming, and honest princes will rule under him. Great. A righteous king is coming. Now, first of all, this is speaking specifically of Hezekiah. Because he was one of the few righteous kings that showed up in that day and age. But it's speaking prophetically about Jesus. So let's put this, uh, the scripture back up again. And I, I'll point out just what I want to point out. A righteous king is coming and honest princes will rule under him. So king of kings means him and his princes or king and king. So it means uses. That ain't good grammar. But uses. We can rule with him and has his goal for us to rule with him. Now, if you're going to rule with him, he's going to get you right. He's going to sometimes jack you up. He's going to sometimes chastise you. He's going to sometimes work on you, but he's not working on you to leave you out somewhere. He's working on you so you can rule with him. He don't want you falling and failing over every little thing. He don't want you quitting life because you got a hangnail. Oh, God, I can't make it. Well, kill myself. What's the matter, baby? I got two hangnails on both toes. You got to be able to get past a few hangnails, baby. You got to learn how to take a licking and keep on ticking. And God has, he's got you to that place. You've been there. So let, what I'm saying is let's press to that next level. And I don't know what the next level is, but let's press forward. Somebody say press forward. Look at verse 2. Read that. Each one will be like a shelter from the wind. And a refuge from the storm, like streams of water in the desert, and the shadow of a great rock in a parched land. Now the Bible says, he that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. But here it says, each of you will be like a shelter. So each of you are going to function the way he functions. In other words, the Bible says, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into and are safe. But the Bible is saying you are supposed to be a strong power for the world out there. What, what sometimes we forget when we go to that job that sometimes drives us nuts. God wants us on that job so that people can come to us on the job and we can be the shelter for those people because they don't know the king like you know the king but when they are introduced to you and they get close to you they get close to the king because they got close to you so no God's not releasing you from the job because he wants you on the job to be a light for him yes. never forget one Sunday uh, preaching hard at church and coming to work and within the first 30 minutes, I got the majority of my work done. I was going to have a, a good several hours before another wave of work was going to come through. And so I went into this office room that has a certain glass that when you're looking from the outside, you can hardly see that there's anybody in there. Because it's dark from the outside, but from the inside, I could see out. And I got over in the corner I kicked my feet up and pushed my seat back. I had done all the work I was supposed to do, and I was waiting on more work, but I was like, I am about to rest. And not for a few minutes. I'm going to rest for some hours. Pulled my iPad out. I was about to pull some Netflix up, and I was going to rest. And all of, a heard, all of a sudden, I heard this. Somebody banging on that window. In the world is what is this? I go to the door and open it up, and I was I was irritated because I was just getting ready to rest. Sister Teresa had about five minutes of rest, and here comes somebody banging on the door. 
And I come out there and I open the door trying to figure out what it was. I thought maybe it was a boss. I'm like, the boss, you already told me I ain't got no work to do. Why y'all bothering me? I opened the door and it was a worker who said, and this particular worker didn't really work our shift. But I believe they were in uh, working over. They had come in early. And they said, Andre, I need you. I'm like, for what? I'm trying to rest. But it was a spiritual need that they had. Something He, he had came home and found his girlfriend in the bed with another man and was messed up in his head. And he got to work and he said, something told me to find you. And I didn't, I, I was done preaching. I wasn't trying to be no light on the job. I was trying to take a nap. But what God understands, the kingdom of God was within me. And when the man ran into trouble, he found me. And I understood it's not time to take a break right now. It's time to rise up and minister. And I said, I don't understand what you're going through because that's never happened to me. But let's walk and let's talk. I started walking with him and let him talk to me and let him cry with me. And then I started praying for him. And for the next several weeks, I started working with him. And he somehow switched out of that relationship, got another relationship. And every time he sees me, he smiles at me, not because of me, but the kingdom of God was within me. You got to understand you are where you are for a reason. God placed you there for a reason. And understand when you go, you bring the kingdom of God. You're not there just to get a paycheck. You're there so the kingdom of God can rule in the place. Do you know how many times that the generator was supposed to blow up and to blow up half of the plant. The devil had it all laid out, but you stepped in the building and the angels that encamped round about you wouldn't let the devils do what they wanted to do. And every time you drive down 69 and I-65 and 40 West and 70 East, every time you get on the road, do you understand there were demons trying to make a semi-flip over, but because you showed up on the road and the kingdom of a God was with in you the devil had to back up he couldn't do what he wanted to do and every time you stepped on the hospital ground to go visit a brand new baby you didn't understand that the kingdom of God was running cancer out of somebody's body the kingdom of God was moving HIV out of somebody's body you got to understand you are somebody in this earthen realm I know you've been through hell and I know you've been through trouble but I'm here to let you know you serve the king of kings and the lord of lords you are somebody in God. Look at your neighbor and say, I am somebody. And when I go somewhere, I bring the power of God. When I wake up, I bring the kingdom of God. Oh, tap your neighbor's hand and say, he preaching this morning. Isaiah 32 and 3, would you read that? Then everyone who has eyes will be able to see the truth. And everyone who has ears will be able to hear it. Let me talk to some of y'all people who've been overlooked all your life. Seem like they always jump over you to promote somebody else. Always look past you. But once the kingdom of God rises up in you, they're going to be looking at you and seeing you and begin to understand, I can't pass them up again. I got to talk to them. I got to be next to them. I got to promote them. I got to do something with them because the kingdom of God is rising in you. One other story. This preacher was preaching in... Uh, uh, he's from Louisiana. He was preaching in another place down south. Him and another preacher, they were doing a revival together. He would preach at night. The other person would preach at night. And their wives wanted to go to the mall. And so they went to the mall with their wives, but they were not uh, excited about shopping. They were just walking, talking to each other, letting their wives spend money. Amen. I, come to, I pray I'll come to a place where I can just walk and talk and let my wife spend money and it don't bother me. Amen. That's a good place to be. So they were doing that. And then some lady ran up to him and said, y'all are the ones. Y'all are the ones. And they were looking around saying, Who, what is she talking about? And she came to them and she fell down on her knees and said, pray for me. So they prayed for her and, and uh, led her to the Lord and, and, you know, help her get deliverance. But then they had to ask her at the end of all the prayer and stuff. They was like, what made you run up? To us, out of all the people, 
She said that something told her to go to the mall and the two men with the lights on the top of their head run to them and say, pray for me. And so they were just walking and just thought they were shopping. But the light of God was resting on their head. And somebody who was at their wit's end came and was told, find the men with lights on their head. And I'm here to let you know, we can't see it right now. But some of y'all got lights on your head. You have the light of God shining and you're drawing people to you. Don't get mad when people be, are drawn to you because the spirit of God is in you. And you're part of deliverance temple and all the deliverance is not happening in this temple we're taking deliverance out there and the reason why folk want to get next to you is you got something on you that the world doesn't have you got a joy that the world doesn't have you got a love that the world doesn't have Hennessy can't do this crack cocaine can't do this you got something in you when you allow the king to rule so the eyes are open and the ears are open verse 4 Then ever, even the hotheads will be full of sense and understanding. Those who stammer will speak out plainly. Remember last week we talked about Nabal and how Nabal was a hothead, an ignorant, ill-tempered man. And God is saying when we begin to move in this realm, it, it's, it's in the time of God. You can't just make it happen on your own, but it's in God's timing. But I believe we're moving in that timing here at Deliverance Temple. But even the hot-headed folk, the ill-tempered folk, the people that will grab their gun at the drop of a hat and just shoot people and ask questions later, they're going to have to start calming down once they get in your presence. They don't even know why. That's what happened with Saul. The Bible said it was an evil spirit that was messing with Saul and he had to call for somebody. Here come David and when David would grab the harp, it would cause them evil spirits to move out the way and you have to understand when you show up that evil, violent, hot-headed, ill-tempered spirit don't have to back up. And let me say this, that's why you've had so much trouble with the spirit yourself. That's why you flew off the handle so much yourself. That's why you didn't cuss so many folk out in your life yourself. Because God was trying to show you there's another way and now you're going to turn around and help somebody else. Guess what? Your mess will become your message every day of the week and twice on Sunday. What you've gone through will help you turn around and help somebody else. Verse 5. In that day, ungodly fools will not be heroes. Scoundrels will not be respected. We celebrate some of the craziest folk. I believe he's a genius, but I also believe he's crazy. Kanye West is crazy. He's a genius. He does some amazing, powerful things, but ever since he lost his mama, he is not right in the head. And we love to celebrate. Well, he's a free thinker. Yeah, he's free and he's crazy. And I'm tired of celebrating foolish people doing foolish things. And I don't think that he's, he is ill irreconcilable I believe because he's even trying to look toward Jesus but some people kept trying to bring them to their church so that the church can get filled up and didn't care about the man but I want us to start touching these people stop celebrating we got young people that are celebrating some of the crazy folk go ahead and put the camera on me so I can say it to, to the uh, TV land we're celebrating some of the foolish people some of them rappers are foolish and we're celebrating. Some of that stuff we see on TV is foolish. Some of them reality stars and real housewives are foolish. Ooh, I love the way she popped off as somebody else. It's for TV and it's foolish. I'm tired of us celebrating foolish folk. But guess who we should be celebrating? That little church mother in the house of God that don't nobody know is there. But when she lifts up her hands, demons run out of the place. That's who we need to be celebrating. We're not going to celebrate scoundrels and jack legs and drug dealers and fools. We're going to celebrate the people of God and the children of God. And it's time that the children of God rise. Now this is just facetious, but it's time that the red carpet show up at church and the paparazzi show up at church and when we walk in the door, just like they do at the Oscars, they want to interview us. I, we want to see them because y'all are the real movers and shakers. The real movers and shakers is not Wall Street. The real movers and shakers are not the politicians, but the people in the house of God. They're the real movers and shakers. And we're the ones who should be celebrated. Now they may not celebrate us, but guess what? I'll encourage myself. 
I'll celebrate myself. I don't need you to celebrate. I don't even need Valentine to have a Valentine. I can be happy by myself because God has saved me and God has rescued me and God has delivered me and let the redeemed of the Lord say so. So I'm happy because I'm saved. I'm happy because I know the king. I'm happy because God, he hung, bled and died for me and he shed his blood for me. I'm happy because I'm a part of the king kingdom of God and the kingdom is within me oh yeah Isaiah 32 6a and 32 6b read both of those for fools speak foolishness and make evil plans they practice ungodliness and spread false teachings about the Lord they deprive the hungry of food and give no water to the thirsty let me just throw this out there there was no reason in God's green earth and under American uh, democracy and rule that they should have had the trouble they had in Flint with the water. But you get people who are greedy and don't care about folk. They do all kinds of stuff and change stuff. And then when it is messed up, they try to cover it up. They don't want to fix nothing. But God is tired of that foolishness ruling this land. Let's continue to read verse 7. The smooth tricks of scoundrels are evil. They plot crooked schemes. They lie to convict the poor, even when the cause of the poor is just. In this rise of technology is a rise of scammers. Folk that are just scamming and taking, uh, trying to steal old folks' social security, just scammers and evil and wicked. And they always trying to hack your Facebook and take some. They just foolish. And they always send you some letter talking about a Nigerian king left you. No, there ain't no Nigerian king left me no money. You scamming devil, you. Get out of my face. But we got wicked people in the land. So guess what? If there's wicked people in the land, there's also righteous people in the land. But the righteous folk are quiet. But it's time out for us being quiet. We need to start making some noise. Just like the devil is scamming, we're going to start praying. We're going to start marching for justice. We're going to start preaching for peace. We're going to start moving and doing whatever we got to do. We ain't got to be ugly about it, but the buck stops here. It's time out for this foolishness, this evil, this wickedness. Church, rise up and be the church. Not in the church, but out there in the streets. Now, when you know somebody's suffering, don't turn your eye. When you know somebody going through, don't, don't just let them go through. I know sometimes on your job, if somebody going through, you know they've been done wrong, but you don't want to say nothing because you don't want to be next. I don't want to say nothing because you don't want them jumping on me. But no, stand up for them. Stand up. Look, come what may stand up. You'll find out that God will fight with you and fight for you when you take up the plight of the uh, of the, the poor and the needy and you take up the fight of the broken and the hurting and you take up the fight of the single mothers and the, and, and the babies and the troublesome. Take up that fight and be what you need to be for those people. All right, continue to read verse 9. Rise up, you women who are at ease. Hear my voice, you complacent daughters. Give ear to my speech. Verse 10. In a short time, just a little more than a year, you careless ones will suddenly begin to care. For your fruit crops will fail, and the harvest will never take place. We talked about Abigail last week, and we see the type of woman she was. She was a wealthy woman because she was married to a wealthy man. But she didn't allow that to make her complacent. So let me just throw this out there, and this is an example just because you were able to afford a Louis Vuitton purse. I'm talking about a real one, not, not, the, not the fake one. I'm talking about the real one that costs two, three, four thousand dollars $4,000. do not be complacent just because you can do that because at the end of the day, you can't take none of this stuff with you. So don't be so caught up in what you can do and what you have that you forget people. But a real woman is a nurturer and a mother. And I don't care how great my, my, uh, my needs are. I, there's something about me that makes me want to reach out and touch the next person. And I'm so grateful we got women in here. Yes, some of y'all have been blessed to have some stuff, but you care about the little ones. You care about the babies. You show up for the young people. You fight for the young people. You do what needs to be done. It's somebody's child's hair is nappy instead of getting on the phone and telling everybody that the child's hair is nappy you go buy some barrettes and you take them to the hair salon because you're not complacent you want to touch the whole world 
Let's not get caught up. Let's understand the power of being what we need to be. I'll give you a quick example. I remember having on a, a newer suit. And I, I can't remember if it was Draylon or Dylan. I think it was Draylon. I picked up Draylon. He was really young. And I was, I was patting him on the back. And we didn't have a burping cloth. Uh, but I could tell that, that he had just been uh, fed, and I just started burping him. And somebody, we were in a restaurant, somebody was like, no, no, Andre, he going to puke on your, on your brand new suit. I looked at him, I was like, do you, I don't know if I said it, but do you know how long I prayed for these babies? Do you know after eight years to have this baby, I'm going to put a suit Above my baby, listen, listen, this little throw up can wipe off. I care more about the blessing of God in this baby than I care about this suit because the material thing don't mean nothing. If I had the suit and lost the baby, I'd go crazy. I'd much rather have the baby. And don't be so sedity. You put a stock in things above people. Humans are one of the greatest things on the face of this earth. And don't, I don't care what you get and what you have. Never devalue people. It's not that important. All right. I'm going to read the next verse just so I can speed up because I think I want to go through all of them. So verse 11. Tremble, you women of ease. Throw off your complacency. Strip off your pretty clothes and put on burlap to show your grief. And so it's not saying that you can't wear nice things. It's saying that when it's time to pick up a burden, you don't care. You don't, you, you don't worry about your mascara. Oh, I can't cry in church because my mascara will run. Baby, I'll throw my wig off if I have to. If the Spirit of God hit me good enough, I don't care about this wig, these lashes, this mascara. I don't care about these elite press on nails. Listen, I'm having an experience with God, and I'm going broke for God. Listen, I can make myself up later, but right now, the presence of God is in the building. I'll run around this church if I have to. I'll shout backwards if I have to. I'll break a heel if I have to. I'm not complacent. I thank God for the power of God. Dude. Isaiah 32 and 12 says this, beat your breasts in sorrow for your bountiful farms and your fruitful grapevines. It means understanding how to pick up the burden. Verse 13, for your land will be overgrown with thorns and briars. Your joyful homes and happy towns will be gone. What God was prophetically saying to the world, people who put their stock and stuff, all that stuff is about to fade. The recession is about to come. They was getting ready to go into uh, a Syrian attack. Said all this stuff that you're putting all your hope in, it's about to fade. And so what God was saying, you women, get your mind together because these folk are about to go through hell and they're going to need somebody to run to and you got to better have some power about you. I don't want you hugging on me and you ain't got no power with your fast self. Don't be putting your breast all up on me and you ain't got no power. Scoop back. In other words, if you're going to hug me, hug me with some power. Don't be hugging me with no lust and no junk. I need some women that'll grab a man and sober him up with the power of God. Not because you're trying to be fast, but the power of God is on your life. And when you touch a man, something happens inside of his belly and he don't know what's going on in him. And he starts saying, God, I want to be saved. That's the kind of women I want in my church. And that's the kind of men I want one of my church that'll cause deliverance to break off in life. Verse 14, the palace and the city will be deserted and busy towns will be empty. Wild donkeys will frolic and flocks will graze in the empty forts and watchtowers. He was talking about what was going to happen and then he makes this powerful statement in verse 15. Until at last the spirit is poured out on us from heaven. Then the wilderness will become a fertile field, and the fertile field will yield bountiful crops. Let me say this real quick, and I'm going to have you do the research on your own right now. In the last, since February 8th, there's been something happening in Asbury College where the power of God has fallen in the college. And these students have begun to praise and worship God. And they're calling in a revival. And people have been coming all over to go and to go to this place. And it's nothing special except for young people that got caught fire for God. The Spirit of God is visibly pouring out. Now, Asbury is a college that has had actually revivals in their history. But there's a brand new one going on right now in 2023. Go look at it. Just when you, when you leave here, pull up Asbury College on your phone and you'll see that. But it's also happened in Lee College, another college. Some 
young people are catching, they call it the Gen Z generation, is catching the power of God and it's falling in the earth right now, this year. I ain't talking about Azusa Street, I'm talking about this year. They even said right now in Indiana, Indiana Wesleyan College is experiencing the same thing because the spirit of God is being poured out. And guess what? I'm trying to let you know what we see is about to change. All these demons and devils we've been faced with is about to change. God is pouring out his spirit in the earth. And guess what? I'm not going to Asbury College to be in the revival. Not because I feel there's anything wrong with the revival, but I want the revival to break out here too. God touched Deliverance Temple. God touched Muncie, Indiana. Pour out your spirit and let your spirit flow. I want the King of Kings to show up and move things. We got all this stuff going on ever since the elections, ever since Obama and Hillary and Trump and Biden. Folk have lost their absolute minds and the pandemic and, and COVID. People are going crazy. It's time for the church to rise up and the power of God to fall. And people begin to say, what must I do to be saved? I want God more than I want my necessary food. Joe said it's more than me eating food. It's more than a steak and some ice cream. I want God in my life. I want the king in my life. I want power in my life. So God hit Ivy Tech. God hit Ball State. God hit Muncie Central. God hit Delta in Yorktown. God hit every church in the city and show the world the king of kings is here. Somebody just say it with me. He's here. He's here. He's here. Right on King Jesus. No man cannot hinder thee. Verse 16, justice will rule in the wilderness and righteousness in the fertile field. Verse 17, and this righteousness will bring peace. Yes, it will bring, pre, it will bring quietness and confidence forever. Verse 19, verse 18, excuse me, my people will live in safety, quietly at home. They will be at rest. Gun violence is on the rise. There's been so many mass shootings, we cannot even count them. But God says, I, I want y'all safe at home. Just last year, there was a young lady that we had to help bury who was sitting in her home. She had already beat cancer, but she was sitting in her home and some fools were shooting and the stray bullet came in the house and killed her in the house, minding her own business. The devil is a lie. I don't want to see no more junk happen like that in my city. I want the power of God to fall where we're safe at home. We're safe in the streets. We're safe in the mall. And we can't look to the government to do it. I don't care about your government gun laws. We need the power of God to do it. Just this week in Castleton Square Mall there was a shooting there and people are running for your life. How many of us often are there in that mall? We need the power of God or we're not going to make it. And I don't want the power just in the church. I want the power to get out in the streets. And when you, we open this, these doors today, this Sunday morning, and you walk out in the parking lot, I hope you carry the kingdom of God with you. I hope the power of God goes with you. I hope lives are changed when you walk out the door because the king of kings, he rules and he reigns. And he rules and he reigns in me. Final two verses, Isaiah 32, 19. Even if the forest should be destroyed and the city torn down. Now what I just told you, even if we go out there and must it gets worse and the whole city is torn down and messed up. Look at verse 20, the final verse, and this is where we quit. The Lord will greatly bless his people. Woo! If America gets worse, God going to bless his people. If muscle gets worse, God gonna bless his people. Not just bless his people, greatly bless his people. Wherever they plant seed, bountiful crops will spring up. Their cattle and doggies will graze freely. That's the final verse, but I missed one verse. And go ahead and stand to your feet. I gotta find this one verse. Yeah, I wanna, I wanna read this one verse. We're closing with this. Put, go back to Isaiah 32 and 8. 
This shows the difference. But generous people plan to do what is generous and they stand firm in their generosity. This ain't the season to quit giving. This ain't the season to back up. This is the season to pour in this ministry like never before because we are a light in this land and God promises he will greatly bless his people. Come on, put the title back up. Bow our heads. Let's say this one more time before we pray. King of kings. One more time. King of kings. Final time. King of kings. Now I'll say this for all of us. The king of kings lives in me. Let's bow our heads. God, as you've been talking to me about the kingdom of God and the rule of the kingdom, not just in the heavenly realms, but right here on earth. God, we pray that this will be a haven where the kingdom of God can be seen. Not just this physical building, but every one of us, our temples. That we who are part of Deliverance Temple, the revelation of Jesus Christ, that the king will begin to live in us and live out through us. And God, we are expecting what you promised, that you will greatly bless your people. And we give you praise for it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. And it is so. God bless you. Have a great week. Have a great kingdom week.